Hey, Fire fans and MLS fans, welcome back to Feed the Fire, a Chicago Fire podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I am back from my vacation on the beautiful paradise island of Maui in Hawaii. Oh, it was a fantastic time with my family soaking up the sun, enjoying the surf and the sand, doing a little shopping, taking in some of the luau and the, just the good food out in Hawaii. And, you know, quick little soccer story. We are hiking in the valley, the Io Valley in central Maui. And there's a mom, dad, and a couple kids. And my wife asks the mom, hey, would you take a picture of our family? And I look down at the little boy. And I'm like, hey, man, cool shirt. He's wearing a Columbus Crew, like, Kids Academy t-shirt as he's with his family in Hawaii. And the mom is going on and on. Oh, he loves soccer. And he's all he wants to do is play and watch it and this and that. Meanwhile, I'm wearing my Chicago Fire logo t-shirt all it is is just a giant crest of the fire and they're completely oblivious so hopefully the kid uh, pays a little bit more attention to some of the chicago fire games and uh, some of the league logos and things so he can have those conversations when he gets a little older but anyway shout out to the little boy rocking the crew gear in hawaii and shout out to all of you our listeners and fans who stuck with our modified schedule over the last week or two as I was out on vacation with my family. So we're trying to get back into the groove. We have our Chicago Fire review and news show here Wednesday the 28th, and we'll have our preview episode out this Friday prior to their next match against Orlando City. And as always, our show is brought to you by Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven, and I wish I had a whole case of it with me on Maui because whoo, I was cooking out on the beach and the fire had been cooking a little bit since I left the mainland. Two wins against Portland. I'm sorry, not just against Portland, at Portland in Providence Park and at Sporting Kansas City. Big wins against Western Conference opponents. Take it with a grain of salt, Fire fans, because we saw Portland was a little banged up. We saw Kansas City didn't pull out their starting lineup. I don't think Vermees or Savarese cared too much about dropping points to Eastern Conference teams. But you know what? I say take it with a grain of salt, but take it. Enjoy the wins. Enjoy the win streak. The Fire have not won consecutive road games, I think, in something like eight or nine years. So this is huge for them especially getting the first ever win at Providence Park against the Timbers. So enjoy that. We're going to recap the game against SKC. We're also going to talk about some coaching rumors and potential new coaches for the fire, as well as take a look at their new short-term DP signing. And then if we got a little time, we're going to look at the all-star roster because Chicago does have an all-star this season. Now, like I said, the Chicago Fire are on a two-game win streak. Six points in, in six since coming back from a little bit of a midsummer break here. Now, in our last episode, we recapped the Portland win. So let's quickly take a look at this SKC victory. Fabian Herbers, our guy Ferbers, just win the world and the league and the fans. And everyone starts to realize just how not good of an MLS player he is. Yeah, he scores in back-to-back games, this time getting the winner in the 47th minute. A lot went right for the fire on this play, but that's how it has to be when you're scoring goals at the professional level. But credit to the fire team for collectively pushing the ball forward, putting it in the box, and to Herbers for being in the right spot and for making what was, you know, maybe not a, a too difficult of a finish, but you know what? Anytime you're in front of goal like that with an open net like he had, I shouldn't even say open net with a a wide chunk of the net open. It's a difficult finish. So credit to him. 
being in the right spot, heads up play, and the entire team pushing the ball up the wing, getting the cross in, getting it to Herbers for the goal. So good team play, and we need to see a lot more of that if the Fire are going to continue their point streak against Orlando City this weekend. But let's take a look at some of the statistics. And here's where I think this victory you got to take with a bit of a grain of salt. The Fire only had 34% possession. Now, part of that is because they went very defensive late in the game and pretty much allowed Kansas City to just knock the ball around uh, the Fire's defensive half, but really not get any quality opportunities. So in this case, the possession, yes, it's lopsided, only 34% for the Fire, but that was as a result of the game states and the Fire really taking their foot off the gas in that second half. 12 shots, five on goal. Nah, not terrible for a fire team that's been struggling to generate any offense. It's definitely better than some of their other games. Only 351 total passes. So again, you saw that they were playing a counterattacking style and just gave up on possession at the end of the game. 82% passing accuracy. So not a lot of movement, not a lot of passing in the attacking third or in attacking zones. Again, Typical of a counterattacking and defensive style. Two offsides. They did win 47 duels to Kansas City's 45, and they did win 12 tackles to Kansas City's 10. So uh, as we've talked about in the past, the Fire actually are, are not a terrible team when it comes to tackling and one-on-one defense. Uh, four saves by Brady on the night. 34 clearances by the defense over the course of this game. That is a huge number, especially compared to Kansas City's three. So again, this is absolutely indicative that the Fire are going to bunker and protect any sort of lead that they have. We've seen Klopas do it to mix results, and I doubt it's going to change anytime soon. 12 fouls, 3 yellow cards, and no red cards, the big key there. Looking at some of the advanced statistics about the goal scoring here, only .8 expected goals out of 12 shots and 5 shots on target for the Fire. So again, they are generating very, very low quality or low percent chance of success or low percent chance of scoring shots here. No single shot that the fire had was more than a 17% chance of scoring or a 0.17 XG. So very, very low percentage. So what we're going to take from this sporting Kansas city game is three points and a little bit of caution. That's what we're going to take from this fire fans. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to be, be happy that we've secured some points and, and maybe stabilized the free fall down the table. Uh, but at the other hand, sorry, I am not optimistic. I don't think the fire have turned some corner. I think this has a lot to do with the fact they were playing non-conference opponents who weren't as, as I don't know what to say, as hung up on getting points against the fire, um, just despite them being home games. But we did see Portland banged up. Kansas City didn't pull out, put out their probably best starting 11. And Vermees was probably a little late on the subs. But also, you saw Kansas City just fail to execute. They had some good play and some good buildup and just could not find that final pass. Kansas City, for what it's worth, only .9 expected goal. They could not create that key pass or a pass leading to a shot attempt before uh, or against the Chicago Fire defense. So that is something to keep an eye on moving forward. Now let's quickly recap the standings here on the top of the table. Again, we've got Cincinnati, New England, Nashville, one, two, three, but where did the fire sit? The playoff line right now is 26 points. DC United is in ninth place at 26 points. The fire, meanwhile, are in 12th place on 23 points between them, Charlotte and Red Bulls on 24 and 23 points, respectively behind the fire. New York City, Toronto, and Miami, 
21, 19, and 15 points. Now, I've said it in prior shows. During this offseason, all these other teams around the fire are probably getting better or will be getting better. TFC might be getting better by subtraction after firing Bob Bradley recently. Uh, Miami, obviously getting better with Leo Messi coming, Sergio Busquets coming, and, oh, they just announced they've got a new head coach, Tata Martino. Can you believe that now? You've got Tata, Leo, and Busquets all together in Miami with what they think, with what Miami thinks is a solid core players or a solid group of sporting players around them. So I fully expect Miami to move up. I fully expect New York to move up. Now, can Chicago keep pace and even gain ground on the teams ahead of them, like Red Bull, Charlotte, D.C., and Montreal? No easy task for the fire who had a very front-ended home schedule most of their home games were towards the beginning of the season due to playing with soldier field and having the bears have priority uh so it's going to be only more difficult for the fire from here on out but you know what they made things a little bit easier for themselves getting six points in two road games recently so that is what the kind of eastern conference playoff picture looks like the only thing that really gives me some hope as a fire fan is that if you look at Charlotte, they have a poor defense. You look at Montreal, they have a poor defense. Those teams are in 10 and 8 spots, and they have negative 8, negative 7 goal differentials. Uh, the Fire are sitting on a negative 3 goal differential, so they can actually start getting a little bit more offense. Uh, then you might see them jump up a couple spots and be right on that playoff line. The problem is I don't see them going out and getting any sort of offense. Because we just saw the announced signing of a defensive midfielder. And the coaching rumors uh, are on very kind of defensive-minded coaches here. So there's not going to be a lot of offensive power coming in to help the Chicago Fire. And we are going to talk all about that after our featured guest break here on the podcast. John Donovan is going to now give you his take on the Fire game against Kansas City, what he saw, what he was feeling, and what he thinks is going to happen going forward here. John, on the podcast side, you'll hear from him. And on the YouTube side, we're going to take a short break. So, John, take it away. Nick, John Donovan here talking about the Chicago Fire and the MLS. Nick, we had two games. Uh, literally, how many times can you remember the Chicago Fire going on the road Going into uh, Portland, then Kansas City, and coming back with two wins. I That has not happened in recent history. I really was impressed, especially with this Kansas City game. I thought the team played very well. I liked the flow. I liked the way Gutierrez kind of handles the team. Um, as I've said many times in the past, that center midfielder is like the quarterback of the squad. And Gutierrez has it. And and up and above that, I thought that Torres really had a great game. I, I enjoyed watching them play. I was, uh, when they put in Shakiri later in the game, I could see it just kind of the flow stop. Um, Gutierrez has speed. He draws, if you look at the goal that was scored, he broke down the middle and uh, the defense, both defenders, those center fullbacks, committed to him. And what happened was Torres was open he brought it back to Herbers, and uh, that was the game. So Gutierrez has done this a couple of times this year when he's played center without Shakiri kind of clogging up the middle. So it, it really was a wonderful game to watch. I watched it a couple of times, and I, I walked away thinking, you know, 
this fire team does not look too bad. You know, Pineda in the back, he's no Terran. I don't know what's up with Terran. I, it, he must have been really injured that knee. But Pineda is a very steady player. And and up and above that, the change, the one change that uh, Klopas made, putting Aceves in there instead of uh, Navarro, is really a smart move. Navarro, every game that he plays is a possible red card. I mean, he is a card machine. So I and I like the way Aceves plays. He's he's you know hardly even notice him on the field. He covers his man well. I mean, he had that one sort of bonk on the head, but uh, plays a very fine game. And I, I, I just thought this game played well. Um, you know, Torres, again, he, he came in here unluckily, came injured from Atlas. Um, I personally was wondering, man, what is with this guy? I mean, last year was a dead year. This is, I believe, his last year on this contract. Now, if he can play like he did um, last night, I believe we've got a player and perhaps they'll keep him around. But uh, he, he really mixes up well with Gutierrez up there. You know, I've got to say, you know, Kai Kamara has been a wonderful player. The guy, I like to watch him play. He, he, I was so surprised he's back in defense even. He's 38 years old and he's still playing like a youngster. But you know, last year we waited almost all year while uh, the squad was fooling around with Casper, um, and we didn't get a chance too often to see John Duran. And then suddenly he came on the market, and bingo, he was a, a sensational player. But then they traded him. So we had Duran around for two years, and we didn't get a shot to watch him play. And I hope that's not the way it's going to be with Coates. Um, you know, they're, they're going to play Kamara, I believe, until he can play, break this Landon Donovan record, which Landon did it in about 12 years. I, I don't know how long Kamara's been playing, but it's a long time. But I certainly would like to see this goal over with so Kutsias can come out there. I like watching the youth and the speed and everything about it. I mean, I'm really into young players. I, it's just the beauty of the game is around the youth. Um, it, it looks like the fire um, solved that uh, that last DP slot um, that they had laying around. They, you know, there's a brothership between Logano in Switzerland and the fire. Joe Mansueto owns both teams, so you know we did get Selassie, and that was a pleasant surprise. I mean, he's a really good player. He's a good winger. I like watching him play, but we use that DP slot and the international play or international spot for a guy by the name Osame Duambia, who's obviously a defensive midfielder, which we have quite a few of. Um, his, in his, he's 32 years old and his whole time in the Swiss league, he has a total of two goals and 10 assists. So he's not exactly what you think a DP player should be. It kind of surprises me. I think his DP contract is only through this year. I would have preferred to see them get some sort of center fullback in because Burks is definitely not an answer to uh, to uh, Tehran being out. And it doesn't seem that uh, Klopas likes to play um, the boy from Dartmouth. Um, it just is a shame. But 
we'll, we'll have to see what, what goes. Now, again, this game was smooth. It, it was probably the best game I've seen the Fire play in a long time. It, um, it just worked well. one nothing game, a lot of excitement, good shots, good play, good positional play. Um, I heard Nick say something about uh, the Fire looking at a Greek head coach for next year. And, you know, my opinion of number one of a foreign coach coming into the the MLS, I, I just don't like it. It takes them too long to learn the league. And by the time they learn it, we're about ready to get rid of them. And if Klopas is the guy that is directing this hiring, ah, my Lord, we've had 13, this is 14 years of Klopas. Yeah, he's on a pretty good swing right now, but uh, traditionally he falls off at the end. I I would like to see what Cincinnati did or what Philadelphia did. Find a good um, American coach that you could put on the field that knows the league and uh, and a new GM. I mean, think of it. The team has gone years with no playoff spots when literally almost every team makes it. So I'm not in favor of a, a Greek coach coming to the, the league, nor am I in favor of a Mexican coach or a South American coach. I would like to see Ante Razov or any of these guys that have played nothing but the MLS. Um, they bleed the MLS. They understand the rules. I mean, we've gone through a long time with this uh, GM, Heinz, who still hasn't figured out what the MLS is all about. So, you know, we're winning now, but we're not in a playoff spot. So uh, uh, feel good, but we, we've got a, a long road to go. So thank you very much, Nick. Mike, I hope you're listening. Have a good day. Enjoyed the game. We're looking forward to the future. Thanks. John, thank you again for your segment. Always great to hear your voice and everything that you have to say about our hometown team, the Chicago Fire. And I want to remind everyone that John Donovan's segment is brought to you by Skira, Icelandic spring water. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a government-protected nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This is not your average water, clearly. Unintended. It's one of the best. Thanks again, John, and thank you to our sponsor. Now, getting in to this long second half, we're going to put a lot of stoppage time on it here so we can cover a lot of the player and coaching rumors circulating about. The first thing we need to address is not a rumor. It is a done deal. It has been announced that the Chicago Fire have signed Usman Dumbia to a short-term designated player loan. Here is what the announcement on MLSsoccer.com had to say. The Chicago Fire announced that the club has acquired Ivorian midfielder Usman Dumbia, excuse me if I mispronounced it before, as a DP on loan from FC Lugano. As you all know, FC Lugano is the sister club of the Fire, same ownership group, same uh, Joe Mansueto ownership over in Switzerland. Uh, this is pending his visa and international transfer. Uh, and of course, pursuant to MLS and club policies, no additional terms were disclosed. So yes, of course, no one's going to know what the contract is structured, what the salary is. That's all got to come out a year or two later with the MLSPA salary disclosures and all those sort of things. And even then, you really don't get to know the finer points of these details. And I'll be honest, as, as an attorney who loves soccer and sports, one of my favorite memories of taking my sports law class, and again, this was like 12 years ago, 12, 13 years ago at Valparaiso Law, which does not exist anymore. Thank you very much, administration, for screwing over your school. 
I loved looking at the sporting contracts that we got to that we got to review and break it down and see what was there, what wasn't there. You know, and, and uh, you hear about. Um, Actually, we looked at Nick, one of Nick Saban's contracts that somehow leaked and got in, into the public. Uh, and I'm sure it was probably a public uh, public contract since he's a public employee working for the universities. Um, so maybe leaked isn't the right word, but widely circulated. So it was cool to really see like all the things that he could command as someone of his stature versus kind of what were the standard things that were in these coaching and, and NCAA contracts. I would love to, to be able to look at an MLS contract and break it down and see things like who's got sell-ons, who's got no trade options, who has some sort of equivalent of like a relegation clause. I know we don't have relegation in MLS and I'm not about to start that argument, but maybe there are certain things that if the team does not advance so far or make the playoffs or falls below a certain point per game or something like that, then they get traded. I think that would be a really creative thing for some of these agents to do. And I'd be interested to see if it was in there. But as we know, MLS, private, single entity type structure, and the clubs are actually just franchises, so they get to protect all of this information. Continuing on now, tirade and, and tangent aside here, on the Chicago Fire's new midfielder, Usman Dumbia. Sporting director George Heights says, we're very pleased to welcome him to the club. He's a highly talented and versatile player with a skill set well-suited for the league and his addition will immediately bring more quality and leadership to the squad. We look forward to welcoming him to Chicago very soon. Okay, interesting comments by George Heights. Very vanilla comments. Sounds like someone who doesn't know who he's talking about. Oh, he's got a great skill set for this league. What? He's a 31-year-old defensive midfielder. Like, okay. I'd say most 31-year-old defensive midfielders would have a skill set suited for the league. You're certainly not going to sign someone and say, you know what? I don't think this guy can cut it, but mm, I had to sign somebody. I had a few bucks lying around like, no. This is... So these comments are very vanilla. They really mean nothing though. People are looking at his comments and looking at the signing a short-term loan designated player deal as this is the last hiding sites is going to heights is going to make that he is out the door. He was not allowed to go out and try and find a big name DP striker. He was not allowed to go sign any long-term deals or anything more than, than this end of season deal. Right. Um, so this is a sign that Heights is on the way out. I can only hope that's true. Now, continuing on about the new player, uh, Dumbia age 31 joined FC Lugano from FC Zurich and has helped them advance in the Swiss cup final. So he's been playing in Switzerland, uh, for a large chunk of his career, including 65 regular season matches, three Swiss Cup matches for FC Zurich uh, prior to jumping over to Lugano, where he's had 40 starts in 43 matches. So he is playing very well. And interestingly, at age 31, some of the best football of his career. And actually, I, I saw floating around on Twitter player rankings of the Swiss League. And I, and I didn't see the source because it was just a snippet of a picture, but it actually has Dumbia as I think the second or third highest rated player in the Swiss league so far. Again, he's uh, from the Ivory coast. Nothing in here says he's had any sort of national team call-ups. So I think that is probably one knock against this signing is that he, his cap is the Swiss league is a very, very good Swiss league player. Um, but the other knock on the signing is it's another D-mid. I mean, we have Jimenez, we have Torres, Pineda can play there. Herbers has played there when he's not 
playing on the wing or just running around knocking people over and getting crazy yellow cards. Uh, so we're, we have a glut of midfielders on this Chicago Fire roster, and they bring in another one, a 31-year-old at that. So some people are saying this is Gaston Jimenez's replacement, but other people are saying if you're going to replace Jimenez, why are you bringing in a 31 DP on a short-term deal? I almost wonder if this is some clever accounting from overseas uh, with Lugano. And and people, the, here's your tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, is that ownership, Joe Mansueto, is, is just more concerned about the Swiss team winning uh, than he is right now about the Chicago Fire winning. And who knows? I, I, I find that very hard to believe personally, considering all the moves that he's made and the money that he's spent here so far. Um, or should I say the money he's allowed other people to spend since it has not been spent very wisely. And I would imagine Mansueto, if he were well-versed in soccer, would be making some better moves. But I digress. We've got Usman Dumbia as our new DP pending his visa. Um, additionally, it's going to take up an international roster spot. So I don't think that that's a really good way. You're going to add a short-term DP and it's going to be an international guy. I guess it's going to be an international guy if you're going to pay that kind of money and bring in a higher caliber player. Um, but I still say at this point in the season, let's, let's bring up some of the young kids and see what they can do. Bring up some guys from CF2 uh, and try and develop some more talent. Now that's enough about the new signing. Let's take a look at some coaching rumors here about the Chicago Fire. Now, this was one that came out on Twitter through a handle that I saw, an account I saw, Halas Football, uh, quoting to a Gazeta Greek article about potential coach Nikos Kostenoglu, who supposedly, according to my Chicago Fire group chat, was at the Portland match. Now, I don't know if people were just being silly saying, oh, I think I saw him there, or if they actually did, but at least that was the unconfirmed rumor in my Chicago Fire group chat that Nikos Kostenoglu, Kostenoglu, excuse me, my pronunciation is slipping here, uh, was at the fire game in Portland. Now, this name actually is not the first time we've heard it, and it's not to be confused with Postek, Postek, well, I can't even remember the exact name of it, the former Celtic, now Tottenham coach, also a uh, Greek coach and teammate of current interim manager Frank Lobos. Now, this, this name, Nikos K, was reported back on May 19th by a Greek sporting website, Sport24, that he was already in advanced talks to join the Chicago Fire coaching staff. And then again on June 20th, Sport24 in the Greek edition of the Gazetta, and again, subsequently picked up by the account Halas Football, uh, was reported that he has a two-and-a-half-year contract in place and he's just waiting on his work visa to clear before he can legally sign the contract and start working for the Chicago Fire. That, to me, is extremely interesting because that would mean that the statement of Klopas is going to be the head coach for the end of the season no longer applies and that Kostenoglu is going to come in and take over for this season. Um, or maybe they modify the contract if they can't get the visa done in place. Additionally, that's a... That's a decent contract for, for an MLS coach to come in on two and a half years. Essentially, he's going to get half a season of real time plus an offseason, and then he's going to get a season and a half at least to prove himself as a coach. Plus, for Costanoglu, this would be the longest coaching tenure he's had. He has been a journeyman coach, all of it coming in Greece, as well as a short stint with the Cyprus national team. Uh, all of his coaching has been under 
two seasons, let alone, I don't think he's coached anywhere more than a full season with Cyprus being uh, the exception being just over a year. Interesting for him. Interesting for him then that this would be the longest contract should he, should he survive it that he's ever had. Now, part of the reason for that, I know what you're thinking. It's like, oh my God, why would they hire this guy? He's never been anywhere more than a season. He must be terrible. Well, part of the reason is because a lot, a lot of his coaching experience in Greece has been interim manager, caretaker type roles. Um, he's been with been with Ike Athens, part of their youth academy, stepping up as interim, going back down, taking another job in Greece, coming back to Ike where he was a player for many years. So a lot of that, I guess, can be explained. It still does not look good and it still keeps me not at ease in that fact. There have also been reports that he hasn't had the best working relationship with some of his other coaches, but we'll see if that changes here in Chicago. I imagine if he's going to come in as the head coach, I would guess, unfortunately, that Frank Lopez is going to stick around. Or maybe Kostenugu comes in and says, nope, I'm the coach, everybody's out. Cleans house, which is what I hope happens to a certain degree. I would love to see Zach Thornton stay around as the goalkeeper coach. And I would love to see C.J. Brown stick around. But I, I'm not going to fault a new head coach for kind of cleaning house with the current coaching staff, especially one who's been underperforming here, right? However, despite all of that negativity around his, his coaching resume, over his last three club seasons, and this was 2018 through 2021-ish, 2020, he has had an overall winning percentage of about 60%. So that would be, it's a pretty good win percentage. But again, three different clubs, in three seasons, then goes on and takes over the Cyprus national team in 2021 and only wins two of 18 games with Cyprus. Now, even the best coach isn't going to do a lot with the Cyprus national team, but still two wins in 18. Whew, there's a lot of room for improvement and not a lot worse you can get. So here's kind of my reactions, the two reactions that I've been seeing once this name gets thrown around. Is this where the fire are, a journeyman coach from Greece? And the answer is yes, the fire are that bad. I've seen a lot of reactions, and even in my fire group chat, which thank you all for having a great discussion to anyone who's listening. Uh, it has been, why would we hire this guy? This is terrible. I can't, like, this. we're better than this. The front office needs to do better. I'm going to take the opposite side of it and say, we're not better than this. The front office can't do better. We are a terrible franchise. Ownership, to its credit, isn't meddling in sporting affairs, but at the same time is allowing the current failures to continue running the sporting affairs. The people running the sporting affairs are failing in many, many aspects, both on the pitch and in the stands and in my home for that matter, because gosh, there's nothing that that I am getting engaged with the Chicago Fire as an organization other than just watching the games on Apple. So, yeah, the Fire are that bad. No respectable coach is going to want to come here unless they get tons and tons of guarantees, both in money and in power and in roster construction. But the other reaction and kind of what I hope prevails is the will it work reaction. And all I can say is maybe at this point, yep, that's lawyer Nick hedging his bets here. Well, it depends. Maybe, maybe not. Right. It, it seems like he's had some recent success. Costeno who has had some recent success as a coach. And if the Chicago fire have been courting him for the last month, hopefully there are further discussions and things being put in place, things they're looking for in order to help him succeed. 
And if this gets Kutsius more playing time, if a Greek coach is needed to to get your young Greek striker playing and scoring, then I am all for it. Again, my biggest fear is that this means Frank Klopas is going to have his fingerprints all over this club for the next however many years to come. And we're going to continue this subpar, mediocre acceptance acceptance of bad of a bad play of bad organization. All right, that's what I got to say about that rumor. The other rumor, let's throw it out there. I mean, Bob Bradley just got fired by Toronto FC today, Wednesday the 28th. I'm sorry, not today the 28th, uh, but within the last day. And do does he go to uh, – does he come to Chicago? Actually, no, I think he did get fired today. Yeah, that's where my head's at. Jet lag, folks. It's real. Then you go right back to the office and work for a full day. Jet lag. It's real. Anyway, Bob Bradley is out in TFC. Do the fire call him up? I think the fire should call Bob Bradley and not because let's slow down a little bit here, people. And not because I think that they should seriously consider Bob Bradley to take over the Chicago fire. Toronto needed to win now. And Bob Bradley couldn't do it despite their big signings. Chicago needs to rebuild. And I don't think Bob Bradley is the person to be involved in a full rebuild like Chicago Fire. Additionally, the criticism, I don't know if I necessarily agree, I haven't given it much thought myself, is that Bob Bradley cannot keep, has not kept up with Major League Soccer. The changes in players, rosters, tactics, all that sort of thing, style of play, whatever you want to call it, that he has not kept up with it. I think that's interesting because he did very, very well with LAFC, despite the lack of an MLS Cup. Carlos Vela had the best season in league history underneath Bob Bradley. I believe they won the supporter shield and set a record with him. Um, LEFC came roaring into this league under Bob Bradley. And there's a reason why they picked him to be the first manager in their franchise history. So that was only four years ago, people. So has the league changed tactically so much in that time that he couldn't adjust? I don't think so. But there are little things that I think he is missing, and he definitely was not getting the best out of Insigne, Bernardeschi, and others on that TFC squad. So I don't think Bob should come into the Chicago Fire locker room where you've got Shakiri and Kamara, and you've got other veterans in that locker room. And, you, and then on the flip side, you've got young talents like Gutierrez who are already taking on leadership roles. Uh, you've got Rafa Chijos. I don't know if that's going to be the best best mix of personalities for Bob Bradley to come into. It's working now. It's working now, but I just don't know if his style is going to jive with what is currently going on in the fire locker room. But I still say you should give him a call and see what you can learn from him through this interview about yourself, Chicago Fire Organization. And additionally, you need to call and reach out and make it look like you have an active search. Um, now, this might all be moot if the Costano Blue rumors are actually true, but no one on, on this side of the Atlantic is reporting it. No one in MLS circles is reporting it. So, so again, take that for what it's worth. But you need to actually be out there talking to people. Additionally, would Bob Bradley be the worst coach possible? I don't know. Some people think Ostendoglu is the worst worst coach possible at this point. Um, but Bradley has had recent uh, recent success. Brad Bradley has had a lot of success in his career, and maybe just saying, "Hey, Bob, give us give us what you can for the next year while we figure everything out on the front office side of things," might take some of the pressure off of him and might allow the squad to play a little more loose. Next bit of coaching talk. 
And rumors no more. Tata Martino. Yes. Gerardo Tata Martino, formerly of El Tri in Mexico and formerly of Five Stripes in Atlanta, is now the new head coach of Inter Miami. Tata Martino is going to be in charge of Leo Messi, the newly signed Sergio Busquets to Miami, as well as their entire current complement of players sitting in 15th place in the Eastern Conference uh, and former Atlanta United striker Joseph Martinez. This is going to be something to see if Tata's got a little bit more magic, if he can rejuvenate the squad a little bit, and if he can manage how Messi and Busquets are going to play in Major League Soccer. This is an incredible signing. There's been rumors that teams in the league were trying to court him to come back, that that Miami being at the head of those rumors. Um, Meanwhile, from Chicago's point of view, we're looking at journeyman coaches from mid to low tiers in Europe and Miami go out and get Tata Martino. So that's where we are, Chicago Fire fans, in this pecking order. And with that, I am going to quickly run down the MLS All-Star roster because Chicago's very own Kai Kamara has been selected to the 2023 MLS All-Star game. And here is the little blurb that was put out there for Kai Kamara. One of the most prolific goal scorers in MLS history, Kai ranks third in MLS scoring with 144 goals, just one behind Landon Donovan. In his first year with the Fire, Kamara leads the club with five goals in 16 games and become became the only player in league history to play for 10 different teams during his career. So that is the MLSsoccer.com blurb on Kai Kamara. And it's very, very clear, if you didn't already know, he's the commissioner's pick. There's no way any player on the Chicago Fire should be an all-star. Maybe you give a shout to Rafa Chihos. Maybe you give a shout to Chris Brady as like a third or fourth spot. Maybe do the goalie wars thing. Um, There's a lot of good goalkeeping in MLS right now, that's for sure. Some bad goalkeeping too. But um, Brady definitely trending in the right direction there. But there's definitely no way anyone from Chicago gets in on a fan vote or a coach's pick except uh, Kai Kamara coming in on the commissioner's pick. Now, here are the other players that made it. Let me know what you think in the comments instead of time to break it all down. If you think anyone got snubbed or if you disagree with this. So the two commissioner's picks, Kai Kamara of Chicago and Matthew Schwanier of Montreal giving, I think, uh, that's Montreal's only all-star pick, that is. So getting a couple more teams represented there. But the players who got voted in, Bowanga of LAFC, Ferreira of Dallas, Morris of Seattle, Acosta of Cincy, Almada, Atlanta, Aiden Morris, Columbus, Hani Mukhtar, Nashville, Alvaro Barreal, Cincinnati, John Gallagher, Austin, Matt Miazga, Cincinnati, Walker Zimmerman, Nashville, and Roman Burr of St. Louis City. So a lot of a lot of good attacking talent in this All-Star game. In form, these guys are going to give the Arsenal defenders a little bit of trouble, I think, because Arsenal, as we know, in their offseason, this is part of the preseason warm-ups, um, some, a nice little time for them to come over to D.C., enjoy what the U.S. has to offer, what MLS has to offer, and uh, have some fun in the skills challenge and hopefully not beat the MLS All-Stars in the actual match. So those are the roster that got voted in. Here are the coaches' picks. Here is Wayne Rooney's picks. Of course, you got to start with Christian Benteke, his 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 friend and striker there at D.C. A lot of other people were saying, Tyler Miller? Why would you pick Tyler Miller, the D.C. goalkeeper, uh, to join? But you know what? That's Wayne Rooney. That's what he's going to do. He's going to get him uh, probably some minutes in 
the MLS All-Star game. I don't know. Maybe there was a promise. Maybe there was a bet in practice or something that we're going to find out later on that comes out. But that would be fantastic to see Miller get in there. Uh, you have Christian Espinoza from San Jose. Yorgos Giacomakis from Atlanta. Hector Herrera, Houston. Jose Martinez, Philly. Ricky Ricky Pouch from L.A. Lucas Zellerayan, Columbus. Ryan Hollingshed, LAFC. Tim Parker, St. Louis. John Token, recently called up to the U.S. MNT. John Token of Red Bulls. And Jordi Petrovic of New England. So those are your MLS All-Stars. I'm really looking forward to seeing this team give Arsenal a good run out. And uh, hopefully score some goals, make it exciting, enjoy the skills challenge. All that is coming up, I believe, on July 16th. So make sure you go back and check your MLS schedule for all of that news. Well, Fire fans, soccer fans, thanks for sticking with us again. I'm glad to be back talking MLS and the Chicago Fire with you after my vacation. If you want to talk back, leave a comment on YouTube or email me, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com. Or my direct messages are open on Twitter at Glasshouse Soccer, but the soccer is spelled without an E. Thanks, Twitter character limits. Hope you all have a wonderful night, and let's go fire.